Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Today on The Charlie Kirk Show, we dive into all things China virus and also why is the stock market tanking? And I walk through exactly what you need to know about what the media is doing to manipulate this crisis. Before we go any further, type in The Charlie Kirk Show, please, to your podcast provider. Take out your phone, type in Charlie Kirk Show, uh, press subscribe, give us those five-star ratings, and leave a review. Also, email us at freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. And thank you guys for making The MAGA Doctrine the number one book in, a, in the country on Amazon for a couple days running. Buckle up, everyone. Also, wash your hands. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of The Charlie Kirk Show. Wash your hands, disinfect yourself, and calm down. We got the conservative analysis to make sure that you break out of the paralysis of the lies of the left. I've always been anti-panic. I've always been anti-hysteria. I don't like it. Uh, but I, I, I will say it's hard not to when you wake up and, you know, we're on the West Coast here recording this episode of the Charlie Kirk Show. You wake up and you see, oh, yeah, you know, the Dow's down 2,000 points. Oh, they suspended trading for 15 minutes because the circuit board broke. Still, do not panic. Take a deep breath. We are going to walk through exactly what on earth is going on with the China virus, the Wuhan special. Uh, they call it the coronavirus, but we call it the China virus because that's where it came from. It's uh, who lied about it. It's who refused to contain it from the very beginning and who misled the world about the origins of it. Um, and actually, we had an exclusive conversation with the great Senator Tom Cotton about the RAISE Act, immigration, and also about China and the uh, Wuhan virus or the China virus, as we call it. And so we're going to dive into the Wuhan virus, China virus versus the flu. We're going to dive into the media uproar around it. And also I'm going to talk to you about why the market is primarily sinking, which is a geopolitical attack against Donald Trump and American shale, which the media is completely missing. I was watching one of the business shows for about four or five hours passively today where we're getting some work done at Turning Point USA and catching up on some uh, just kind of some book signings and stuff. By the way, thank you guys for, for those of you that bought copies of the MAGA Doctrine. It was the number one book in America, might have been the number one book in the world. We're finding out because we had a a uh, little internal debate whether or not Amazon is global or not. I'm not a big fan of Amazon or Jeff Bezos, but it is still a uh, great accomplishment. And thank you guys for supporting it. But anyways, watching one of the business shows and they were talking all about, well, the market is sinking because of the coronavirus. I'm not convinced of that. Um, I think it has some impact. It really was sinking because of 
Vladimir Putin and also Saudi Arabia's war, but mostly Vladimir Putin's war on American shale. And we'll dive into that as well. But first, are you guys struggling to make student loan payments because you were lied to by the cartel of the colleges? Are you worried about how you're going to get out of student loan debt? Well, I want to introduce to you Credible.com. Credible.com is an online marketplace that gets you pre-qualified student loan refinancing rates from up to 10 different lenders. Uh, what, what they do is so simple. They help people get out of student loan debt. I know people that have used their service and it works really well. If you've got student loan debt, you could benefit. Uh, when you refinance your student loans uh, with a lower rate, you could save on interest or lower your monthly payment. And with a shorter loan term, you could get debt-free faster. Uh, they can consolidate all your student loan bills in one place. You can get a serious peace of mind. Credible customers have given awesome reviews about how much better their lives have been after refinancing their student loans. On Credible, you see actual pre-qualified rates from up to 10 different lenders, whereas with some other marketplace, you'll get ranges of rates or ballpark estimates. Again, if you guys are suffering under student loan debt, Credible has a great path forward for you. It only takes a couple minutes to check rates, and checking rates does not impact your credit. So right now, oh, oh by the way, they also don't sell your data, which is a big deal for me, so you won't receive spam and phone calls from dozens of lenders. So right now, visit Credible.com slash Charlie. That's C-R-E-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Charlie. And when you refinance your student loans via Credible, they'll give you a $200 gift card. Fill in a couple pieces of info to check what rates you are eligible for. Again, that's Credible.com slash Charlie. Refinance your student loans and start saving. So I'm sure all of you guys have been wondering about what exactly is the coronavirus. Well, they call it COVID-19, and there's been approximately 3,653 deaths reported worldwide and 22 deaths in the U.S. as of today. So can I just make something very perfectly clear? This is not contagion, where you come in contact with it and your face melts and every one of your extended family members perish if they even hear that you get it, okay? It, this, is, this is being, in some ways, intentionally misrepresented by the media, and it's really sick. Uh, in other ways... People have no understanding of exactly what this is. So if you, I, I encourage all of you right now to go out and buy some Lysol wipes or some Clorox, Clorox wipes, and you might have them in your house. And guess what? Look at the back of it. It says, kills coronavirus. We've had the coronavirus around for 30 or 40 years. This is a different strain of it, an unusual strain of it, and we're still learning exactly what it is. But here's what we know. We know that the flu kills between 291,000 to 640,000 people a year worldwide. And that's 12,000 to 61,000 deaths in the U.S. per year. Since October, at the recording of this podcast, more or less, there's been anywhere between 20 to 52,000 people in the United States that have died from flu or flu-like symptoms. From a global perspective, the U.S. has one of the lowest coronavirus infection rates in the developed world at 1.7 per 1 million people. Now, it works both ways. People that have had coronavirus and they just thought they had a cold that got over it really quickly and they didn't get reported in the statistics. Although some people that might have corona aren't even getting reported in the statistics. It's like, I don't want to get reported in the statistics. But also some people that have died from just other causes might have had it, and they're not getting reported into it. So these numbers are whatever you make of them. But out of the sample set that we know, this is not a lethal epidemic. It's being called that because people are dying from it. But you could call the flu a lethal epidemic. You could call you could call the common cold a lethal epidemic. Now, you compare that to China and South Korea. China has 56.1 per 1 million and South Korea at 149.1 million and Italy at 122.1 million. And just the news came through, Italy's basically shutting down their entire country to try to stop the spread 
of the China virus. There was a great post in the New York Times today by Michael Fumento, who actually had more wisdom than anyone else on this entire topic. And he made some really important points. I'm going to make three of them for you. Number one, he said that, have you noticed that there have not been a lot of deaths or a lot of uh, Wuhan virus or China virus cases in Latin America? Basically, his thesis, and there is evidence to support this, and the media mocked it when Trump said it, is that when it gets warmer outside, people spend more time outside. They turn off their heating units. They turn they turn off re- recirculated air. They open up their windows. They spend more time um, by themselves. They spend less time in contained environments. And because of that, uh, viruses tend not to spread as well. And also viruses don't like humid, hot environments. They just don't. They prefer, I'm talking as if the viruses you know, have a conscience, but no, the viruses do react in a certain way. The viruses prefer colder environments with recirculated air and people that are spending a lot of time close to each other uh, where the virus does not have a chance to die. That point I thought was very insightful and needs to be made. Uh, Point number two is something called FARS law. And again, this is not talked about enough, uh, but this is why not everyone gets the flu despite it being so contagious. And so people are saying, well, we need to lock down the entire country well, okay, should we prevent people from coming into our country from China? Yeah, well, we should do that anyway, okay? We should close down the borders of Asia, which we should do and have done, but it doesn't address the entire topic of the breakout within our own country. And so, look, every single year we go through the flu season, and guess what? Schools close for the flu every single year, and we don't talk about this either. I mean, the idea of school closures or business closures, I mean, the flu can it be seriously vile certain years. I remember, and we could look up the statistics on this, it was either... 2011 or 20, 2010 or 2011, it might have been even 2009, when I was in like eighth or ninth grade, the flu was the worst it ever was. I mean, I remember almost half our school called in sick and they, they, they shut down the entire school in the Midwest. And by the way, the Midwest is always the hardest hit. The Midwest and the Northeast are always the hardest hit because warmer weather, it just, people spend less time inside and it just dies off as it gets warmer outside. So there is a hope at the end of the tunnel. Again, if this was November or if this was September, Uh, we would have a different problem set on our hands. But also, I want to talk about FARS law, which is not talked about enough because things tend to bottom out. Do you just buy built into the US population or built into any population? 20 to 30% of you, the chosen people, it's this stuff is just not going to affect you. It's just the COVID-19 is not, it's not going to impact you. And every person is built differently and it's the same for the flu every single year. Sometimes you might just get like, oh yeah, I just coughed a couple times. That was the way your body dealt with it. For other people, it's just total shutdown, you're sick for two weeks. Every person's body is different. And so there's a pattern called FARS law. It was first formulated in 1840. It's very brilliant. Not enough people are talking about it. Again, I wish that dishonest news had some people that would just offer some sobriety. I have to give Fox News credit. I watched their credit. I have to give them some credit. The way they handled the market today was really good. Uh, I have to say they handled it with a very metered discipline approach, unlike other networks where it, it wasn't even the sky was falling. It was like, there is no sky. Like everyone sell everything, you know, run. Just run and just destroy your phones while you're at it. It was complete pandemonium. Um, and I'm sure that's only going to continue. It's almost as if they want to destroy Donald Trump. But FARS law, 1840, it's ignored in every epidemic hysteria sense. But let's talk about math. Let's talk about science. The left says they're pro-science. We're going to be pro-science. And look, these things, they're in a roughly symmetrical pattern or a bell-shaped curve. This happened in AIDS, SARS, and Ebola. They all follow the same pattern, and so does the seasonal flu. And here's why. Number one, when you get to a point like we're at right now, everyone becomes more self-aware. So things that you might have done before coronavirus, you will not do again. 
share towels, hug people. All of a sudden, that stuff will exponentially decrease the amount of transfer. Now, this whole like, oh, we're going to con- cancel every single conference. People are going to do through natural social distancing. I see more people using hand sanitizer than ever before. I see more people taking this seriously. That has an exponential impact. It just does. Uh, people are going to be less likely um, to do things that will essentially engage themselves into the transference of germs. It, w- once people start to naturally change their behavior and start to boost their immune system. You have people that will be drinking more water. You have people that are going to be consuming more vitamin C. It's the alertness of the human survival instinct that starts to put these things in a flat line pattern. So rest assured, there is hope at the end of the tunnel. Fumento also points out in the piece, it's a great piece. Basically, he says things are going to get better really quickly. Just take a deep breath, but don't take a deep breath around anyone that's coughing. He basically says the virus will likely die out in the coming months, and this will be a memory. And I read that as the Dow is about to plow back and is about to go through a rapid acceleration. I mean, there's so much cheap money flying around with the Fed lowering rates and the economy is so good. You heard it here, right? You heard it here first. We are going to see the Dow, once they announce a vaccine to this thing, you're going to see the Dow climb like 4,900 points in a day. I mean, it might not be that much, but I kid you not. There's so much like pent up frustration. I was talking to investors all day long, some of which are donors and friends at Turning Point USA. And they're like, I'm just waiting for this thing to hit bottom. I'm going to pour everything I got back into the market because people see that confidence is still really good. And so history will hopefully prove us to be very wise or very bullish. Let's put it that way. But I'm telling you right now, you're going to see the most amazing increase in the Dow because we know this economy is good. We have great trade deals, low taxes, good regulation. And just last week, didn't we have an unbelievable jobs report? I mean, in February, we had an unbelievable jobs report. Companies are sitting on a bunch of cash. For these CEOs, I really hope that one of these cruise ships do not declare bankruptcy. That would be a problem. If, if you start, to, and then psychologically, people are going to make the incorrect analysis. Like, oh, it's Lehman Brothers. Like, okay, if Carnival Cruises goes bankrupt, it's a little bit different than Lehman Brothers going bankrupt, okay? That, that's like a little bit different. But of course, the media will try to equate those two things. By the way, one of the statistics I find to be most instructive about this is that so far worldwide that we have not found a single person under the age of nine that has died because of coronavirus. We do not know one person. In fact, anyone that under the age of 40, it's 0.2% of all deaths. And at least what I've found, and there might be outliers, anyone under the age of 40 that has died has had previous medical conditions. They have asthma. They did not get necessary care quick enough. Um, they did not hydrate themselves, so on and so forth. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you're young, you're pretty much, you're, you're going to be just fine. Uh, if you're older, you're also going to be probably just fine because you should be equally as worried about the flu or the cold as you should be about coronavirus. So just take, take hygiene seriously and this thing is going to ride itself out. Now, the Trump administration has done a very good job of rapidly responding to this. But I mean, did you know, here's your fact of the day on the Charlie Kirk show. Did you know during the swine flu outbreak in 2009, I was a freshman in high school back then, either a freshman or sophomore in high school, go figure, there was a swine flu outbreak. I don't remember this actually at all. H1N1 outbreak. Do you know a thousand people died from swine flu and over 20,000 people had been hospitalized? 
and the market didn't crash because it didn't have much less to crash any any more to crash because that was a serious financial crisis back in 2008 serious financial housing crisis um and by the way as the market goes down i don't know how many investors there are out there but you're going to have once in a generation buying opportunities soon i mean prices that we're never going to see again for blue chip companies uh that are absolutely incredible um but look President Obama took him a while to spring into action against swine flu. President Donald Trump basically has every resource of the federal government trying to stop it. Again, as it gets warmer, as people get more aware, as we get more attuned to this, cases are going to slow down. Look, the Democrats have made a total fools of themselves uh, with this outbreak. It's been a total disaster. Senator Warren suggested, again, her Pocahontas failed uh, presidential run. She suggested diverting money allocated to the border wall to fund the government response. That that makes no sense. Um, Here's the other part of it. And I'm going to tell you what really bothers me. Democrats and even some weak Republicans are are probing some really, really bad ideas of how to respond to this coronavirus economically. And I'm going to get to that in just one second. March Madness starts this week with conference tournaments. I love this time of year. I hope I'm going to be able to watch it and enjoy it because it's awesome. I mean, you got the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big East, uh, just to name a few. It all culminates with Selection Sunday on March 15th. And by the way, congratulations to the Liberty University Flames of which I am wearing the shirt of today, uh, for dancing, to getting into March Madness, well-deserved. Uh, and you guys, I guess, can bet on their chances. So so the ACC tournament starts Tuesday, the March 10th in Greensboro. Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis. That's so much fun. Big East tournament. I got to tell you guys right now, email us at freedom at charliekirk.com. I know less about college basketball than I ever have. And this is going to sound embarrassing. I don't even know a player in college basketball this year. I mean, I was so busy uh, with the book and so busy with watching college football, so consumed. Uh, it never used to be that way. I used to be a huge college basketball fan, but I'm going to be watching very intently. By the way, this is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. You guys can use that promo code podcast. We want to get your 50% sign up bonus. Uh, the Oregon Ducks, I think, are pretty good this year, though. Florida State's supposed to be pretty good. Baylor, um, I loved the year when Loyola went to the Final Four. That was so much fun. Loyola from Chicago, they were like a nine seed. Uh, and actually, you know, it was so funny when I was growing up. And again, this analysis, this cutting and out, this brilliant college basketball analysis brought to you by the player that can't name one college basketball player this year is brought to you by Bet Online. I remember when I was growing up and I used to fill in the brackets every single year and I did it so intently and I did it with so much focus. I remember it was this one thing we said, is anyone ever going to see a 16 beat a one seed? That was like the big thing. And then it happened. Virginia lost. I think they lost to like Maryland. Can you look it up? I think they lost to like Baltimore Hagerstown Community College or something like that. And that was a couple years ago. And then Virginia won it all recently. They won it last year. I think they won it all. Virginia won it all. Uh, and that was a kind of a really cool story how you lose to a 16 seed and you bounce back from it. But we always said, is anyone ever going to beat a 16 a 16 ever going to be to one. So just to clarify, it was University of Maryland, Baltimore County, the Retrievers. Your legacy lives long with us here at the Charlie Kirk Show. By the way, if you guys try to get a perfect bracket, good luck with that because that's never going to happen. But there is bracket madness at Bet Online, and you guys get $100,000 uh, if you get a perfect bracket. Is that right? Well, that's fine because Warren Buffett will give you a billion dollars, okay? Because it's never going to happen. You're not going to get a perfect bracket. If you get the first round correctly, um, I'll buy you a Diet Coke. You heard that, okay? I'll buy you a Diet Coke on the Charlie Kirk Show. Anyway, this brilliant analysis is brought to you by Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag. Don't forget that 50% sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So there's a lot of reactions going on on Capitol Hill of what they need to do uh, to react to this crisis. First of all, sometimes the answer is to do nothing. 
And that's the Austrian economics, you know, scholar in me, I guess, if you will. Sometimes it takes more discipline to do nothing and allow these things to go through its natural cycle. I don't know if that's what I believe necessarily in this case, but that's my initial instinct because I try to be anti-panic and anti-hysteria. Now, Rahm Emanuel famously used to say, if you guys don't know who Rahm Emanuel is, Rahm Emanuel um, was the a congressman from Chicago, then he became chief of staff to Barack Obama during his first year, and then he became mayor of uh, Chicago. Uh, so Rahm Emanuel used to say, never let a good crisis go to waste. Play tape. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that, it's an opportunity to do things that you think you could not do before. I think America as a whole in 1973 and 1974, not just my view, but obviously the administration, missed the opportunity to deal with the energy crisis that was before us. For a long time, our entire energy policy came down to cheap oil. This is an opportunity, what used to be long-term problems, be they in the healthcare area, energy area, education area, fiscal area, tax area, regulatory reform area, things that we had postponed for too long that were long-term are now immediate and must be dealt with. And this crisis provides the opportunity for us, as I would say, the opportunity to do things that you could not do before. The good news, I suppose, if you want to see a silver lining, is the problems are big enough that they lend themselves to ideas from both parties for the solution. So that was Rahm Emanuel talking about the 2008 financial crisis, the housing crisis, basically saying, well, we can use this financial crisis to get long wished and long promised goals of the big government statist agenda pass through. We should never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, look, the Democrats are now using this crisis to push forward this ridiculous idea of passing a $400 billion stimulus. And I'm, I'm looking at these Republicans on TV and they're like, well, we might need a stimulus package. I'm like, did you guys learn nothing from the Barack Obama anemic recovery? We passed a $900 billion stimulus package under Barack Obama that did not accelerate economic growth at all. The only good part of the Barack Obama stimulus package, it was a three-part stimulus package. One was deficit spending, one was infrastructure spending, and one was tax cuts. The tax cuts was good because it was payroll tax cuts. And the House Democrats and Senate Republicans want to pass a payroll tax cut. I would be supportive of that no matter the economic conditions. I, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with that, um, whether that's now or whether that was back then or whether it's during coronavirus. But look, let's go back to the numbers back in 2009, post the Obama stimulus. It was a total flop. The national unemployment rate, which Obama promised would not exceed 8% if the stimulus became law, reached a 25-year high over 10%. We are so lucky where we are right now. We have 3.1, 3.5% unemployment rate, depending on what state you're in. In, a, in Alabama, for example, the White House estimated that the stimulus package would generate 52,000 jobs by the end of 2010, yet the government's own figures show the state had a loss of 30,000 jobs. I was watching one of these programs today, and, and one of the anchors said, well, if Congress announced you know something with a million shovel-ready jobs, that will really get the market to go back up. I say, I, 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 have you not learned anything from 10 to 12 years ago that shovel-ready jobs, what are you, the Soviet Union, that we're going to fill holes in and we're going to fill them back in again? I mean, you need to have some sort of private private enterprise component of this. We are going through the greatest economic miracle in American history, and now we're talking about economic stimulus because the market goes down 20% because of an overreaction of the war on American shale, which we'll get to in just one second, and also this virus, which is no worse than the swine flu. And I'm looking at these numbers, a swine flu, a thousand Americans died of swine flu, which is more than coronavirus and over 20,000 people hospitalized. 
Take a deep breath, everybody. Just because things are not good right now does not mean that the American entrepreneur and the American businessman will not be, or woman, if, if you were, will not be flexible and adapt to the conditions at hand. So for Republicans and conservatives out there, if you're even entertaining a deficit spending big government stimulus bill, have you not been paying attention to lowest ever black unemployment, Latino unemployment, Asian American and disabled unemployment bill? Now, if President Trump wants to use that as an excuse to get an infrastructure bill passed, not a stimulus bill, but an infrastructure bill passed with private public partnerships that will actually improve the infrastructure of our country. Okay, I can find myself supporting that. But be careful because the Democrats, I mean, I, I, I was so angry today. I watched way too much TV. And I and it, I was I was doing other stuff. I was doing book stuff, but we were traveling like crazy the last twelve days. I said, "All right, I need one day to kind of consume the news and get my bearings." I was watching this business shows, and I was watching Nancy Pelosi, who is the most dishonest hack ever to become Speaker of the House in the history of the United States. You charlatan, Nancy Pelosi! You just want more people on food stamps, don't you? That's that's all they care about. I mean, they're floating out food assistance SNAP programs. I mean, seriously. We just had 10 million people off food stamps thanks to the booming Trump economy. And we got two weeks of this virus being spread through the markets, not literally, but figuratively, and a war in American shale. And everyone forgets this amazing American renaissance of 4% GDP growth. I mean, our memories just disappear and it does go back. There is some psychology to this is that people are far more wired to act on the negative than they are on the positive. It, it, it's, it's rooted in human behavior. It's very, very predictable. So please, conservatives out there and Republicans, stay disciplined to our free market economics in the spite of hysteria and panic. Do not support a big government stimulus bill or to get more people back on food stamps. But the real, like, the, uh, as of this recording right now, the Dow ended at 23,851. It fell 7%. Uh, that is the single worst day uh, since October 15, 2008, where it fell 7.8%. And look, I'm just reading the tone of people out there. People are not that worried about it, to be perfectly honest. I remember October 15, 2008. So it was a day after my birthday. I was in freshman in high school. There was a chilling effect, October 15th, 2008. It was some sort of sports gathering. It was either, I think it was, it was something with football. And I remember parents were like looking at each other as if we got hit by a terrorist attack. Because, I mean, that was a real, the bottom has fallen off the back of the American economy. I mean, it was a real free fall. Um, so it just plunged 7.6%, uh, 2,746 points. A couple technical things. Human beings are not doing most of this trading. Most of it are algorithms and computers that have certain stops and starts of human inputs. And then they're trading on trading. And as soon as it's reconfigured and the human beings essentially give the thumbs up to allow a purchase to begin again, you're going to see one of the greatest accelerations in stock market history as quickly as we've fallen will increase just as quickly but the real reason that this has happened is and let me take you back in time and give you some context and here we're gonna go through some economics we're gonna go through some business and it's really important is the real reason why the market has fallen the way it is is because of russia and saudi arabia so one of the benefits of being energy independent we talk about all that all the time on the charlie kirk show and it's part of my speech talking about the trump administration is that we no longer have to be dependent on foreign countries for our energy needs um and we are now exporting more oil than we are importing uh because of this american shale if you will because of fracking and because of how efficient that we are the price of oil has is not where the main 
producers of oil want it to be, Russia and Saudi Arabia in particular. Um, so they have been talking privately about how they can address American shale for some time. They formed a new coalition called OPEC+. Plus. And they had a meeting last week in Vienna, Austria. In the meeting, Saudi Arabia wanted to come to some uh, essentially agreement with Russia to curb production um, so that they could get the price higher. Uh, Russia rejected the proposal uh, to cut a production of 1.5 million barrels of oil per day. Uh, Saudi Arabia, in response... Uh, has cut its forward crude price to Chinese consumers by as much as six to seven dollars per barrel. So look, both Russia and Saudi Arabia, they need oil to fund their government. They do not have a way to fund their government without crude oil production. Saudi Arabia can do it for far less than Russia. They have much better uh, technology. Russia has outdated technology and Saudi Arabia could sell it for $4 a barrel. Um, They wouldn't be making money, but at least they'd have some form of revenue for their government. So look, Vladimir Putin hates Donald Trump right now, hates Donald Trump. And this goes against everything that we are told about the Russia-Trump collusion and how much nonsense there is about there. Vladimir Putin hates that America is now energy dominant across the world. And just the significance of that cannot be overstated. Again, this is because of a combination of hydraulic fracking, which is basically fracking, and horizontal drilling that has led to a renaissance in U.S. energy production. And so Vladimir Putin is basically rooting for Bernie Sanders. You want to know who's really rooting for the green movement in America? Russia and Saudi Arabia hope that the green movement in America succeed. The Bernie Sanders, no more fracking, keep it all in the ground. Boy, if I was Russia, I would be spending as much time as, and money as I possibly could on trying to end American domestic energy dominance. By the way, if America's energy dominance ever, ever did end completely, it would be awful geopolitically. It would put all the cards back into these tyrants in the Middle East and in Russia. Um, So as the world is panicking over the coronavirus, Russia saw an opening to do this play. Now, Russia and Saudi Arabia in particular, um, they want a U.S. president that's going to overregulate and overpenalize American energy production. Saudi Arabia, they're happy with Trump administration on some things, and they're upset with the Trump administration on other things. By the way, uh, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, they might even want to end oil exports and get rid of the oil exports. We had an oil export ban until, believe it or not, President Obama, of all people, signed a lift of the oil export ban as part of an omnibus bill a couple of years ago, which was a huge win for the U.S. oil industry. Um, by the way, Bernie is totally wrong about what would happen if the United States actually cut production. Both Russia and Saudi Arabia could make up more of the short- shortfall, and eventually this would result in a spike in oil prices, which would hurt the American consumer. So what Russia is trying to do right now is they're trying to end the small and medium producers in Midland, Texas and in the Permian Basin and in Oklahoma and all across uh, Pennsylvania that are using very uh, cutting edge technology to be able to compete against the big boys, to be able to compete against Russia and Saudi Arabia. They're really worried. So they're trying to waterboard the American energy sector and try to inflict as much pain as possible so that they eventually can be back on top. Now, this is a super risky play because first of all, Russia is antagonizing the wrong people right now. I mean, we hold a lot of cards against Russia. We can intensify sanctions. We can make this very, very painful for them. Secondly, Saudi Arabia, we hold a lot of cards against Saudi Arabia. If Saudi Arabia 
continues to act this way, we can say, okay, good luck against Iran, Saudi Arabia. Have fun about that. Or by the way, Saudi Arabia, you're going to have to defend yourself in the region against all, you know, all the different proxies and your little blockade issue you have right now. Like good luck dealing with that as well. There's a lot of car, there's a lot of cards that we can have against Saudi Arabia and they better get wise really soon. And one phone call from President Donald Trump, um, can make, can make this hurt a lot against them. So I can I I would predict that this is going to even out. But by the way, oil is down like 40% or something insane today, which is totally irrational. It's completely and totally irrational. It's not it's not anywhere near where the demand is. There's just an oversupply problem because the Russians now are trying to flood the market to destroy American shale. Um and again, it, Vladimir Putin right now is is engaging in basically an act of economic warfare against the United States. Uh, the largest 10 oil producers right now in the world, America's number one. We produce 17 million barrels per day, 18%. Saudi Arabia, 12 million barrels per day. But let's play this out. Let's play that the small and medium medium guys, which I hope don't happen, go out of business and go underwater uh, in Midland or they go out of water, you know, they go underwater all throughout America. Who's going to then assume the asset? Well, it's going to be the American banks or Chevron or Exxon that's going to buy the asset and they have the balance sheets and they have the capacity and the cash to be able to withstand whatever Russia throws at them. Long term, Russia is not going to be able to compete with $22. The way that the banks should deal with this, with these producers, is they should give some grace periods. They should go with the producers and, you know, all throughout America and they should say, okay, um, we know that there's economic warfare and you just turn the spigots off for a little bit. If they want to play at $21, $22 a barrel right now, fine. Eventually that price is going to go back up and it will. And so it's very, it's very economically complex, but let me put this so simple for you. Russia does not like the fact America is finally energy independent. It threatens their economic prosperity and viability. Saudi Arabia does not like it either. I think they're working in cahoots and they staged this fight in Vienna last week. And there's evidence to show this. Uh, the evidence, of course, is the fact that I don't think that two world leaders would put everything on the line in some sort of theatrical, well-publicized meeting in Vienna without Mohammed bin Salman and Vladimir Putin having a phone conversation beforehand, knowing exactly where they stand. Um, and both of them have a desired outcome to see a diminished American energy portfolio. They both want to see American shale be hit hard right now. And guess what? Russia is going to do everything they possibly can to try and assist in the election of Joe Biden. That's right. You want to talk about Russian interference in the American election? Russia wants President Joe Biden because they know that he's going to kowtow to the environmental interests and the greenies, and he's going to make alliances with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and these people that want to keep all of our energy in the ground. And guess what? If we keep the energy in the ground, our adversaries won't. This is one of the great economic miracles of our time. The left wants to undo it, and so does Russia. And they have now found a friend in the American left to try to destroy and diminish America's dominance. And Mr. Producer just made a great point, and it was kind of on our show feed. It's exactly why the radical Islamists are able to be make best friends with the American left. It's why Iran is best friends with Code Pink. It's why Iran is best friends with John Kerry, because they both want the total and complete destruction of America as we know it. They want to destabilize the greatest country ever to exist in the history of the world. So just keep calm and carry on, my friends, to use an expression that's often used. America's economy is in great hands. President Donald Trump just announced a proposed payroll tax cut. I'm totally in support of that. The fundamentals of our economy are very strong. There's a lot of cheap money flowing around. The money's flowing to treasury bills right now. It's going to go away from the treasury yield. 
back into securities and equities. We are going to see a rapid acceleration. The American entrepreneur has true grit. Again, if this was something that was real and not something that was adjacent to the cold and the flu, I'm not saying it was real. Let me rephrase that. If this was something that was the way it was in 2008, when we saw banks folding, okay, when we saw depositors running to the hills, I would say this is not good, okay? And by the way, President Donald Trump, he was not elected to be America's healer in chief, okay? He was not elected to be a, you know America's best friend in the time of a crisis like this. Um, and I, I don't know what president was, okay? Because Jimmy Carter was a joke in the time of a crisis. So those of you that are saying, well, I wish Trump was had a lot softer tone during all this. Okay, he's going to be a leader in the time of uncertainty. And by the, t- by the way, mark my words, by the time Memorial Day comes, away, comes around and you guys are wearing your shorts and enjoying your 80 degree weather and you're barbecuing outside, I'm pretty positive and I'm making the call right now. The market is going to be stabilized. The Chinese virus is going to be something we'll be making jokes about. And come July 4th, and all of you guys are enjoying the beautiful weather out on the lake and the fireworks, the economy will be in great hands, and we're going to be solely focused on making sure that we defeat Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders. But it sure looks like it's becoming like it's Joe Biden increasingly into November. So guys, thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for buying the MAGA Doctrine. Please email us, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. And if you guys want to get involved with Turning Point USA, go to tpusa.com. That's tpusa.com. Start a chapter, chip in some money, attend an event. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And make sure you guys are subscribed to The Charlie Kirk Show. Type in Charlie Kirk Show. Press that subscribe button and leave a five-star rating. Thanks so much. From the creators of Cold Case Files and PD Stories come the next great true crime podcast, I Survived. Every week, I Survived presents chilling first-person accounts from people who overcame deadly situations, allowing the survivors to describe the events as they unfolded and how they made it out alive. If you love true crime, you are going to love I Survived. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast apps so you can get new episodes every week. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Ah. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.